need to succeed the podcast this will help you get everything that you want this will power lift your life give you unshakable confidence to achieve your biggest goals and wildest dreams it's going to help you to create a life that you love and build relationships that you adore why am i so confident that i can give you that This is my job. I'm a mindset and confidence coach. This is what I do for a living. I've never given these life hacks away on a podcast for free before, but that's about to change right now. So put your seatbelts on and buckle up and get ready to enjoy the ride of your lifetime. People call me the mother of motivation, the confidence queen, the person that you go to for positivity. This podcast will motivate and empower you to run at your life. And the fastest way you can do that is to use these techniques, the same ones that I've used in my own life and the ones that I use and encourage for my clients. The only question that is left to ask you is, are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Everything You Need to Succeed, the podcast. We're back again and I am so excited. Step seven, pick your A-team. Step seven, pick your A-team. I pick the A-team. Can <laughs> I pick actual A-team? You, you can. Um, and I, I was kind of knew that that's where you were going to go with this. You so sense th- that. I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. P.A. Baracus, Hannibal Lecter. Not Hannibal Lecter, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Hannibal, Hannibal from the A-team and Murdoch. They were great. The thing is, whenever I mention Pick Your A-Team, this conversation always starts. And I just, the only thing I can remember from the A-Team is that big black guy with all the bullets around his Yeah, neck. Mr. T. That was B.A. Baracus. Oh, is that his name? Right. Yeah, that's, that's all I remember them getting. B.A. for bad attitude. Oh, is that it? And he'd be like, I ain't getting in no plane, Murdoch. <laughs> that was basically his thing. He would just have a bad attitude about everything. Very, very... Very grumpy. Just never explain smiled. to me the concept of the A-Team, because I just don't remember. Well, in 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground, where today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then maybe you can hire the A-Team. Wow, Chris, can I just say... It was like you were reading the synopsis that is... Oh, how on That's the bit earth? at the beginning that they say, in 1972, a crack command. That's the beginning of every episode. Oh. Basically, they're mercenaries who will... Uh, vigilantes who will come and solve your, your beef for you. They'll come out, they'll do what they need to do, and then they'll disappear back into the shadows. This sounds like the kind of thing I'd really like to enjoy. I don't know. I think it's because of... I don't think I was old enough to watch it. I think that's why I just saw it flashing by on the TV, but maybe not allowed to stay in the living room and actually watch it. Yeah, it was an ITV thing. It was around the same time as sort of Knight Rider and Chips and um, Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah, sort of 80s American imports. Yeah, I I was born in 84. Yeah, you'd been a bit young. Probably all on streaming services. I'm going to watch it. So thank you for your lovely synopsis and introduction to the 18. Has that got any relevance to what we're going to be talking about? It does. It really does actually think about it because the vigilantes, um, I'm always cheering for the vigilantes. I know that legally you shouldn't be cheering for them, but I don't know if you've ever seen Dexter. You never really want him to get caught, do you? It's like everything, isn't it? You cheer for the anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. The the anti-hero? Yeah, so I think if a program like that, it's somebody who you want them to do well, but you know that really they're not the goody, but 
they are still the hero of the TV show. Yeah, I love that because they've positioned the person to be the the one that we cheer for. So um, that makes sense. But the reason I called it Pick Your A-Team is more about the idea of pick your top team, pick your winning team. So this episode is so important because... I I always love to do a quick recap of what we've learned in case you're only just listening now. So step one is about clarity, deciding what you want. Step two is believing that it's possible. Step three is building confidence and self-esteem. Step four is working on your personality, making sure you've got powerful personality. Step five is about getting your plan and knowing what your roadmap is. Step six, what we spoke about last, was all about feeding your mind with the good stuff. So now that you've got all these steps in place, and let's say you're running ahead and it's going well, one of the biggest things that trip people up along that run is actually the people around you the people around you have the power to knock you down and I find when I'm coaching or whatever I'm doing if you don't have people around you who support you who cheer for you what happens is is often I've had people come to me in particular it's been men actually they've come to me and they said look I really want to build my business build my life build my career but my significant other doesn't believe in all this woo woo stuff and now I'm going home writing goals and saying affirmations and you know st- turning off the PlayStation they, they don't understand why I'm doing all of that and often if that we can't get their other half on board they end up just snapping back it becomes a snapback effect so picking your A team is really important to have people around you who will support you encourage you cheer for you if you don't have that it's really difficult but it's also very difficult if you've got people around you that are already in place and they're not supportive but it's it's like uh, am I going to end my relationship because my wife doesn't believe in affirmations every morning or is there a way that you can talk them around is the way that you can kind of get them to understand that it's a it's a positive thing what's you know what's the problem with being you know having (laughs) self-belief and doing things to help your life get better great question and I'm not somebody who's about breaking homes up that's not my thing I'm not like get rid of them (laughs) just move on and be successful I'm sorry darling if he says it's not gonna work so moving on here um and I get why why people are reluctant now if we just look at even before our partners our family like our actual immediate family our brothers our sisters our mothers our fathers the people that we've grown up with what happens is is when you decide that you're going to change your life and you decide actually I'm going to go and get that you've made that decision but the people who know you and love you they've already seen you in a light that you've been showing them so it's hard for them to adjust it's a little bit like grief when you go home and say do you know what Uh, it's like saying I'm no longer going to support Man United football team. I'm not going to go to every single game anymore. I've decided I'm going to get rid of my tickets because I'm going to work on being the person. I'm not going to be the spectator. I'm going to be the doer. I'm going to be on the pitch. I'm going to be scoring the goals. I'm going to be the one. I don't want to watch anyone. And they're like, hold on a minute. But this is what we've always done. This has always been Mm. our thing. And it's like people don't want to let go of the old you. So it is a really difficult thing, whether it's your twin brother, your twin sister, your lover, whoever, when you decide that you're going to change and that you're going to look at life differently, the hardest thing is getting the other people to get on board because not because they don't love you, not because they don't care about you. It's because they're afraid. They're afraid of the old you, the person that they know and love is going to change and that they might get left behind. Or if you're a parent, you're worried about the risks. You're thinking, oh no, I just want them to be safe. You know, why Why do they want to do that? Oh, why can't they just get a regular job? Or why can't they just do something that's safe? And it becomes that idea where you have to make sure that the people on your A-team are people who are cheering for you. So you might have to put some people on the bench. Now, this is probably one of the most difficult 
difficult things that I find and we've had to do it in our life. When you make a decision to become somebody that you've never been before, you're going to have to audit some of the people who are in your ear. Could be your mother-in-law, could be your brother, could be your lover, but you're going to have to edit them out because otherwise what happens is every time you take a step forward, they're going to pull you back like an anchor and an anchor, what are they good for holding you in place? Like it's, it's not a bad thing to have an anchor attached to a boat. You don't want the boat just to drift off. But what if the boat is ready to start making some new sails and the person's holding them back? So this is a really difficult emotional step. But if you can get it right without destroying your relationships, then you can actually get people on board. You can create an alliance, a, a mastermind alliance. That's uh, in the book, Napoleon Hill. He talks about your mastermind alliance and how you only need one other person to be in that alliance, but they have to be building you, um, holding you accountable, somebody that's cheering for you. If you have that, you're unstoppable. But if you don't have that, then it's going to be like like getting through like really, what was it you said, treacle? Yeah, like quicksand. But I guess it's like with any team, particularly with football teams, you only have a certain number of players on the pitch. So it's it's okay, but you've got to choose the ones that are actually adding something. If you put all your players on the pitch at the same time, they wouldn't be able to play football. They wouldn't be able to move because mm. they wouldn't be able to kick the ball around. Yeah, I love that. So I, I love the metaphor as well. You're not getting rid of moany grandma or Uncle Ted who moans all the time, who says, isn't it awful? You're not getting rid of them. You're just leaving them on the bench for a bit so you can go and score some goals. Hopefully they can sit on the bench <laughs> and cheer for you while you score them. But you don't want them on the pitch in your ear saying, why are you going that way? Why are you doing that? In my day, I never did that. Well, it's because they're not footballers, are they? They might be lovely people, but if they're not helping you with your game, they're not contributing. Exactly. And the thing that I find, it's really sad. And I'm, I still go through this process myself. You know, I'm, I've, I've had to edit out loads of people out of my life that were not congruent with my goals, that w- wouldn't have helped me get where I want to be. You know, people who are quite mediocre and like go through the motions of life and just moan and complain and think that the world is awful and keep saying, well, it's all right for you. People use, oh, it's all right for you. I said, what's all right for me? You know, for me, I started my life literally at the minimum, you know, and everything I've ever achieved, I've worked for. It's not, I made the decision. It's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable stepping out of your comfort zone. But when you start to do it more and more and more, and if we think about football zones, you know, the idea is everyone has their zone on the pitch. You've got the defenders, you've got the attackers, you've got the people in the center that are, you've got all these players who have all got their places to be. And sometimes in life, we've been given our, you know, our in netball, you get given your bib, goal attack. Well, maybe that's not for me. Maybe I have to step outside of the parameters of what I thought was for me. And yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable because I'm not going to know what I'm doing. But a lot of people like just snap back, snap back. And that's where like the the resistance comes in, you know, like a rubber band, you know, if you stretch out a rubber band, and then you let go, it just snaps back. And that's, that's what happened. But you have to keep stretching it. And if you spend long enough, eventually it gets out of shape, doesn't it? Eventually it becomes wobbly yeah, and bigger. Yeah, but it really hurts your fingers. I don't recommend it. <laughs> it's When it hurts, doesn't it? When it snaps back, boom. <laughs> There's a couple of things there. Elastic bands, very painful. Also, trying to play netball, if you're not invited to join the team, very painful as well. I was never allowed to play netball at school. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Is it because you're a male? Purely gender bias. Yeah. Do you know what? They've started doing women's football, women's rugby. They need rugby. to do guys netball. Did you hear that? We're, we're going to do a, <laughs> we're going to push it out. Guys netball. God, I bet you guys would be great. I can imagine you doing the, you know, the pivot where you go around like this. 
I don't know much about netball. I'm just attracted by the outfits. Oh, yeah. Okay, then. And the bibs. I love the yeah. bibs. Um, yeah, but you're right. It, it's really... When you talk about snapping back, how much it hurts... There's nothing worse. But the thing, like the thing with netball, is you're not allowed to move while you've got the ball, are you? No. So if you're in that position, we got the ball. You've got the wrong vest on. You want to be getting the ball in the basket or whatever it's called, the net, <laughs> netball. <laughs> clues in the name. You can't move, can you? So if you're not in the right position on the pitch, if you haven't got the right bib on, you can't achieve the goal. And you're stuck. Yeah. And the thing is, how does it feel when you're stuck, Chris? How do you feel? When you're stuck. It's so frustrating, isn't it, though? stuck in the mud where you get stuck and you have to wait for someone to tap you so they could, you know, crawl under your legs and then you could be free. Did you ever play that? No. You never play stuck in the mud. You never play stuck in the mud. I think I just, I think there are a lot of games like that where nobody ever tagged me, so I didn't get a lot out of them. <laughs> you know, I'm just stuck in <laughs> just, the mud. No one will free me from the mud. So I all the other kids now. have gone home. I'm still there oh, in the playground. Oh no, bless you. See, I'm getting a real snapshot into your childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Desperately trying to join the netball team. <laughs> trying to join the netball team. Not been invited to stuck in the mud. When you are invited, nobody tags you so you can be free. So you're that little kid on the playground left alone. There's always one, but it does it shouldn't hold you back. No, it shouldn't because everyone has a story. Everyone has a sad, sad story about their childhood, but you can use that to hold you back or you can use it to fuel you. And I think that when we talk about being stuck, for me, I don't like feeling stuck. I I absolutely despise it. it. It makes me so uncomfortable being stuck in a position and where you're like, it's like being in prison where you're, you're not allowed to leave. This is who you are. And people always say, tell me, what do you do? What do you do for a living? What? And sometimes it's really hard to answer that. I do a lot of things. I, I have a lot of passions and I fit into lots of different boxes and that's absolutely fine. But when you are in a position where you're growing and we're going through these steps of success, you got to make sure that like in a rowing, you know, you get in a boat and then you have the coxswain, you know, the person, if, if everyone in the team is going for it, you're going to make it. But if there's one person who is not rowing, is not doing their thing, you slow down. Do you know, if you were in a rowing boat and everyone sat facing in different directions, half of you are rowing one way and half <laughs> of you going the other way. That's what it's like sometimes. Yeah. If you do not have the momentum to lean forward and to run at it what happens is is everyone else will start to pull you back it's like that bungee thing have you seen the bungee game where you have you have velcro balls and you have to get them on the bungee and then you get snap back snap back snap back like that yeah but the thing is life is like that but the thing is 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 that after a while if you keep rushing for it and you don't get the ball in you give up most people give up if you're constantly being snap back snap back snap back but eventually you break the elastic well, that if you're determined and you have that burning desire, you will break free or you'll find someone to cut the elastic somehow to disconnect yourself from the situation. But if we're coming back to step seven, pick your A team, pick your winning A team. You know, there's that saying that say birds of a feather flock together. You know, if you fly, want to fly with the eagles, you can't scratch with the turkeys. I've heard all these really cool <laughs> sayings. And, and the truth is, if you make a decision and you're listening to this podcast because you've decided... I want to take my life to the next level. I want to know what I need to succeed. I, I, I know that for me, I was like, someone give, someone give me the choreography so I can choreograph my life. Someone show me the steps so that I can just get on with it. So that's what we're doing here. We're giving the steps to success. And step seven is 
have a look at the people in your life and ask yourself, are they helping me move forward or are they holding me back? Are they cheering for me or are they putting me down? Are they supporting me or are they questioning me? Ask yourself those questions and then have a look and say, okay, for me to get to the next level, if I am the fastest, most accomplished person in my group of friends, I need a new group of friends because how are you going to elevate if you're just always the number one, you know, uh, could we swear? <laughs> yeah, it's a podcast big balls you know the not swearing you know like um billy big balls <laughs> like you're we the, were talking about big balls on the other podcast weren't we what was the other what was we talking about you're saying that the, the different sized balls oh yeah yeah we were talking about the subconscious mind and the conscious mind yeah that was that yeah so if we carry on with the big ball analogy um if you've got a big ego because you are the most refined intelligent person in your group of friends then you have to look and say hold on a minute I need to go to a new group it's like if you're the best basketball player on the team and your team is at the bottom of the league wouldn't you rather go and be one of the worst basketball players on the top of the league team so then you can improve you can grow you can stretch so it's it, it means you actively have to step out of your comfort zone but when you do it and you keep doing it it becomes easier it, it really does. A sub, someone said to me, do you want to stay in your comfort zone and be unhappy? Or do you want to be uncomfortable and happy? Do you want to step outside of your comfort zone and be happy? I choose happiness every single time. And what makes you happy is when you are in control. I think it's about, do you want short-term comfort and mediocrity? Or do you want a little bit of discomfort now and a lot more comfort and happiness in the long term? Would you rather have five pounds now or wait a few weeks and I'll give you 50 quid? I love that. That is definitely like delayed gratification. It is. And it's difficult because you've got to, you know, go without the things that, that are comfortable at the moment. But in the long term, you'll be so much happier. Yeah. And and this, you just said it, This and this is what gets me excited. Because just imagine that you can have everything that you want if you are willing to put in the work and not want, not get it straight away. Do the things that are hard and necessary over the things that are fun and easy. You know, really delay gratification and be able to know in your mind, if I double down, if I um, sacrifice now in the future, you know, I'm going to get what I want. That quote I say, are you prepared to do the things today that others won't do to have the things tomorrow that others won't have? Yes. Every time I'm like, yes, I'm willing. I'm willing to walk in the rain to get here because <laughs> today <laughs> hence the hair that's why if you're watching it on the today's look is frizz <laughs> the frizz look um i started off as a drowned rat and as the day goes on it it starts to dry i think we sh- we'll call it the rachel of friends look oh i love rachel from friends i like that look yeah so i'm playing with my hair but it's basically very wet because i could have waited under a shelter and been late for today because it's comfortable to just stay under. And as somebody with sensory processing disorder, when rain hits me, it feels like someone's punching me. It's like how hail feels to you is how rain feels to me. Like just it hitting on my, it's like, uh, it just feels very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, which is why you wouldn't enjoy a roller coaster in the rain, which is one of my favorite things. Is it? Is going oh. to, to Alton Towers or Thought Park when it's pouring with rain and you go on the really fast roller coaster and you, you feel the raindrops just smacking you in the face. <laughs> You're selling brilliant. it to me. I can't wait to go with you, not. <laughs> it's intense. It's just, like next level roller coasters. No, no, no. It's not for me. And the thing is, I just don't like f- the rain 
on my body but did I I don't like it it's uncomfortable but was I did I say to myself what's more important getting here on time to record this is much more important to me because my value systems are I said I'm going to be somewhere I need to be there I am not letting the rain stop me from getting here but you could have sat in your car and thought the sun's going to come out in five minutes I can turn up on time looking like a drowned rat or five minutes late and I'll look a lot better on the video (laughs) but I didn't do that because in my mind it comes back down to like my values I was like well it's raining I have no control over the rain but I do have control over if I get there on time so I'm going to do it and I will sacrifice looking glossy for being on time I 100% agree and it is audio as well as video so for the for the audio podcast nobody would even know exactly but say for instance we were going to even a television even if it was all visual I'd still make the same decision I'd just show up on tv looking wet and drowned but on time but on time yeah yeah but no, I, I didn't know how long really the rain was gonna go because for me it's about respect and mm. if I'm I hate being like there's nothing worse it's like you were saying about feeling trapped if you're in a traffic jam and you can't get where you want to be going and you've got no control over it it's the most frustrating you thing. You feel so frustrated and you feel so sick. And, you know, there's been, uh, as a speaker, I travel a lot. And once <laughs> I was speaking at this school in the middle of summer. And this day there was like a, you know, the M25 is bad, but this was Awful. like next level. I mean, like traffic. And I made it over the bridge and I was like, and I just kept saying, please, God, please. Because I knew if I got there late, I couldn't be late because my talk was part of their 10 a.m. lesson. What I did do, which lowered my stress level was when I realized on the sat nav that it, it kept saying I was going to be there 20 minutes later. Because that's annoying. The sat nav just keeps going up. It's like <laughs> normally the arrival time goes down and yeah. you're still moving. You haven't hit the traffic yet, but it's like you can get there at three o'clock, four o'clock, five, five o'clock. o'clock. And you just think, you- oh, something terrible is about to happen. And you're like, oh, no. It's the worst feeling when you see that the time that you're going to get there is way past the time you're meant to be there. Sometimes it's past the time that you even left. <laughs> Hang on. No, it normally That'll is. That'll be the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That That's awful. But what I did, what I did to, because we're talking about what we do have control over. Yeah. As soon as I saw... Um, I was like an hour away from my talk and it's saying I was going to be an hour and 20 minutes late. I rang them. I rang them and said, I'm looking at my sat nav and I know I'm not meant to be there for an hour, but it's looking like I'm going to be 20 minutes later. No worries. Thank you for letting us know. If that's the case, we'll juggle things around. The minute I picked up the phone and didn't think, oh, let's just hope it works. I thought I'm taking back control. What do I have control over? I can see on my sat nav, it says that I'm going to be 20 minutes late. Sometimes I know I'm going to be late for a 7 p.m. evening at 10 a.m. in the morning. Do you think in those situations, it's better to say, so you're sat now saying you're going to be half an hour late. It's better to ring them up. And the first time you say, I'm going to be about 15 minutes late. And they go, yeah, that's fine. And then ring them again an hour later and go, yeah, traffic's still really bad. I'm going to be about 20, 25 minutes late. And then you're actually half an hour late, but it's not as bad as ringing them up the first time and going, yeah, I'm going to be half an hour late. And then they've got the bad news straight away. You break it to them gently by just giving them updates. No, 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 no. That's the opposite to how I operate. I'm like, just give them it straight because you have to remember. So is it better to exaggerate and say, I'm going to be two hours late and then you actually turn up an hour late, but then they might cancel it because they don't know. No, I I would say be as close to the truth as possible. (laughs) Like, (laughs) don't give them less time. Don't just tell them. I'm looking at my sat nav right now because because what I did as well, I said, let me share my location with you. So I- oh, so they can watch them in real time. Yeah. But that's that. if I was, 
your customer that would just stress me out because i'd just be watching you on the on the map going she she hasn't moved for 10 minutes <laughs> and then but then it gives full transparency and i think ultimately and i've had this conversation time and time again with my other half because what he does is he likes to hope that it's going to be okay and not actually communicate what he knows. So do nothing and just hope that the traffic improves and then you can drive at 120 miles an hour. Because there's always a point where you think, well, if I drive at 93 <laughs> miles an hour, I'll get there on time. If I it. drive at 102 miles an hour, I'll still get there I'll on time. S- yeah, and that that idea for me is that's not good for your own anxiety level like i'm just trying or to keeping d- your driving license yeah or keep or you, oh yeah i forgot about that part actually breaking the law so for me i would much rather be so transparent like sometimes i've rang people and said to them um i know it's 10 a.m and we've got a meeting at 3 20 based on where my meetings are going and the fact that they're running over i think i'm going to be about 45 minutes late they go wow thank you for letting me know that's so like organized. A doctor's surgery yeah, we're, we're running 10 minutes behind. But that gives, but what, what the worst thing is for me is showing up somewhere and then not talking to me about the fact that I'm an hour, they're an hour behind their schedule. Like, have the respect to at least tell me what's going on. Yeah, because you could be stressing and they're running late anyway. Exactly. So these are some of the value systems. And I don't know how we got talking about this, but ultimately, I think that when we when you start to follow the steps, what happens is your self-esteem, your confidence rises, your value system is created and it helps you in all those areas of life because there's so many stressful areas in life that can really overthrow you. You know, they can, you know, and but if you have full control over the way you communicate, the the and you know that the people you're speaking to are on their own personal like I know if I have a problem I can speak to you straight, Chris, because I know you already do your own personal development. You're already building your business. You've got, you're a father to young children. I know that you're somebody that I could come to you, whatever it was, and you would be able to communicate effectively effectively with me that didn't create like confrontation where there are other people that might be in your friendship group that when you approach them about something you're not sure how they're going to react because they don't have their shit together so that means that you can't actually have those really um i suppose emotionally intelligent conversations with people because they can't handle it they they haven't got the capacity so that's another reason why you have to build your a team you need to be surrounded by people who are doing the work People that you feel confident just talking to them straight and not worrying about how they're going to react. Yeah, and that's because they also have high self-esteem because I find that whenever I'm speaking to somebody and let's say, for instance, there's a problem, confrontation or an argument, I realise when I step back, I spoke to them as if they had high self-esteem. Damn it. So sometimes you have to pussyfoot around people with low self-esteem and who lack confidence. Because yeah, that's a skill in how to deal with people. Yeah. Is to vary your approach because mm-hmm. you know that this is somebody who's a little bit on on the edge. <laughs> like a bit I'm on the edge of glory. Yeah. Can we play that song? They're a gaga. <laughs> a gaga, yeah. Who yeah. are on the watch edge. Watch out for the gargars. And watch out. And the thing is, is we all have our own edges, our own triggers. You know, like when we start talking about certain topics, I imagine people think, well, I'm not going to speak to Ify about that because I know she'll go on the edge. I'm not saying that I'm so um, refined in my own personal development that there's nothing that triggers me. We all have our edges, the things that someone can say one thing and you're like, Wah! 
So what should I steer clear of? What should we not um, talk about? Vaccines. Vaccines. Oh, no. Yeah, we've brought that we up can't, before. But we Let's already know that. There. We cannot talk about vaccines because we are both on the edge of that and we both have a lot to say about that and they're contradicting. Yeah, but we can have a conversation and not fall out. We can have different we opinions can, but and imagine, it's okay. Yeah, we can because we are these people that have high self-esteem, who've done the work and who really are trying to be the best versions of ourselves but if you swapped me out with somebody else who believed what i believe but hadn't done the work they would scream and shout at you chris mm. and vice versa if i swapped you out with somebody who hadn't done the work who believed what you, they would scream and shout and then like that's the thing you have to be able to have conversations with people with different views to you and still be able to have communicate effectively and respect each other that requires two learn, people you learn more by surrounding yourself with people that don't agree with everything you say Absolutely. and challenge you yes, Chris. and make you think oh okay I hadn't thought of it that way you're still wrong yeah I agree see look you're surrounding yourself with people who agree with you but ultimately I, I hear what you're saying I don't want to be in an echo chamber of just iffy Thomas talking because that to me is not gonna that comes back to who's on your A-team if I am the smartest <laughs> your A-team is just clones of you just iffy so Thomas six members of the iffy team we're gonna cover tonight like <laughs> if we're just doing the Beyonce dance and break my yeah. soul and everyone's got pink hair that the would dancing be would be great but it wouldn't be the most effective it wouldn't be and the thing is for me as a human being as individuals we want to grow we want to stretch we want we don't we want to be better than don't you want to wake up tomorrow better than you woke up today don't you want to actually be a better person yeah you're not going to learn anything from yourself are you going to no. learn things from other people more well, you can learn from yourself but not as much not really you need people around you so the point of t this step is Surround yourself with people who are going to cheer for you, who are going to support you. When you fall down, they are still going to be there to say, get back up. They're not going to say, well, why did you do that anyway? Why Why did, well, I don't even know why you wanted to do that. Like those people, I told you so. Get rid of those, I told you so's. Don't tell your ideas, big ideas to small minds and make sure that you yourself are in a situation where you know that the people who were on your A-team have your back because if you don't, I meet so many failed entrepreneurs, failed musicians because they knew what they wanted to do. They believed in themselves, but the people around them didn't. And that's why the actual A team on the telly did well because they were all so different, but they had each other's backs. They supported each other, but none of them, you know, there were no two members of that A team who you would say were similar in any respect. You had BA, who had a massive chip on his shoulder and huge attitude problem. Murdoch, who had various mental health issues, was completely off the, off the scale, <laughs> bonkers. And then you had Faceman, who was just constantly looking in the mirror, loving himself quite a lot. And Hannibal basically ate people. Wow. I really am going to watch this. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. He, that was a different film. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, this sounds really interesting. So how many people were on the A-team? I think that was them. Four. I think there were four or five. Have I forgotten someone? No, that was that. That was it. Okay, then. But ultimately, they're working together for one ultimate goal, which was to um, make justice. Yeah. Doing their vigilante work, whatever it was, whoever had hired them, they would get it done. They'd build something in the process, drive around in a cool black truck and... Make it happen. And everything would be good. But that was the A-team. Completely different from the Smurfs. So, of course, on the Smurfs, you have Papa Smurf surrounded by thousands of clones of himself. Nothing ever gets done. <laughs> I love that analogy. I really do. That makes sense. I, I, I like the idea that 
One of my biggest lessons that I've learned on my own personal journey is that I've always been somebody who's like, I'm just going to do it by myself. Like, I, I'm just going to do it by myself. If it's going to get done, it's going to be because of me and I'm not going to rely on anyone. And that's kind of the attitude that I built up. Didn't want to rely on other people. But as I've developed and grown, I've realized that you do need people. You definitely need people because, you know, you it takes a village that like they say, or if you want to get somewhere fast, you go there alone. But if you want to get somewhere far, you go there with other people. And I thought that involves you being vulnerable. And this is a whole nother thing. Vulnerability is just one of those things where you'll even saying the word, my stomach knots up because vulnerability means that you have to let down your guards. You know, you have to let people in. You have to share your goals and visions with people that could stamp on them or squash them or use them against you. So step seven is really one of those in a work, you know, it's a really difficult one. And if you can't get past step seven, then step eight is going to be really challenging because step eight is all about being known for being the best, you know, and you, that requires so much effort and energy. Um, but yeah, step seven, you got to surround yourself with people who want you to win. Amazing. So we'll be back in the next episode with step eight, which sounds very exciting. Yes. Thank you, Chris.